0: Alright, well, let's move on, because I, um I'm gonna talk about this morning, I'm gonna, I'm gonna continue on this theme called The Bride. And, um and so, it's the same title, Will You Marry Me, Part 3. And, um it was, it was funny, I was chatting with Debbie during the week, and she said, you know, I've already asked this question, few, I think she's asked it all the time. It's not something that he puts out there once, it's continuously in his word. Will you marry me? Will you marry me? And as I've shared, this can be a little bit hard to get our head rounds, it's, you know, because, um, and part of what I share today, you know, Paul says, set your minds on the things above. Don't set your minds on the earthly things. Don't think like a just a, a, a uh, you know a, by the standard of the world. Think of the standard of heaven, and try and see the concepts and, and the patterns and the truth that I've that I've created beyond just this world. Because this world only lasts for us 75, 80 years, and we're gone. But the Bible says, when you die, you don't die. You live forever. So. There's got to be more beyond just here. And the scripture teaches us, it screams at you, You know, have, a, have an eternal mindset, have an eternal perspective. You're a citizen from another place. Well, what does that really mean? let what is that supposed to mean? What impact is that really supposed to have in our lives here on earth? Because the Bible says that God's people are set apart. They're different than the average person. They're different. They are to reflect God. That's why we're to love one another as Christ loves, because when the body of Christ loves, people see God. They don't see you; they see him because they can't figure this love out. And that's what we're here for—to bring glory to him. First and foremost, glory to his name—not nothing really to do with me. It's to do with him. And so today we're going to look at um, heaven, or sorry, earthly marriages. Is what's the purpose behind an earthly marriage? What's the point of it? Is it something way bigger than what we've ever thought it was? Is there a greater eternal purpose behind why God would create this covenant relationship between a man and a woman than maybe what we've ever seen? And if we could see it, then how would that change the way our marriages looked? How would that change the way our children are raised up in these environments? How would that change a life? How would that literally change the church? Because marriage is the second most intimate relationship given to mankind outside of our relationship with Christ. Yes. So there's something about marriage that I want to unpack and unfold. But if you haven't got my first message or my second message, can I just encourage you just to, to get the CD and just and even if you have, just continue. To allow the stuff feed on it. God is really speaking something. If every person that's speaking is aligning to the same thing. And Jesus said, if you've got ears to hear, you're going to hear what's being said. John spoke last week. And uh what he said relates to exactly what we're talking about. Different books, different sermon, but the same thing. And um so I want to encourage you with that because it's not so much about the end goal of being the bride of Christ, but the process to that. That is the key. There's no promotion after the grave. And so, great, the reward, and there are rewards. We have to get comfortable with that. The Bible says there are rewards. It's not why we do things. It's a a byproduct of our heart relationship, our love relationship with him. But there are rewards. And so it's not about the reward per se, but it's about the process to the reward. The transformation that's occurring in someone's heart in their lives as they enter this journey, because the goal of our faith journey is spiritual transformation into the image we, into the one in which we follow and worship, isn't it? It's not just I got saved one day and I'm waiting for this thing called heaven. Unfortunately, that is a huge mindset that needs to be shifted in the church. That is the start of our lifetime journey. Because the goal is spiritual transformation into the one I follow, internally and externally. That I would reflect Christ, conformed into the image of Christ. Yeah? And so the bride is part, in fact it is the thing. So why is this so important? Because it's those who engage in this process of spiritual transformation that are becoming the bride of Christ. It's those who are seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness now, rather than their own, who will partake of the marriage ceremony and this relationship for eternity. That's a powerful statement, what I just said. A very powerful statement. We're saved. We're justified. Just as if we'd never sinned. And we have to start with that God. That's the purpose of grace. It covers you. It cleanses you that you can now move into knowing that that door is shut and locked. I'm moving into this process. I love what John shared last week. He shared two things. He said that the world is entering into a hard times. Hard times. And we look, we see finance, you know, nations starting to collapse. All the borrowing that's been going on is starting to catch up with us. And we see that there's hard times are coming. We have to be awake to the seasons we are in. The Bible speaks of this. I don't know if it's five years, 50 years, 500, but there are hard times coming. But then he said this, which fascinated me because it's the same thing that we're talking about. He said that God is building a corporate body representation right here at the rock. He said, if you're on the outside of it, can I encourage you to come on the on the outside and come in? And those two things are interrelated. Why? Because God is built not just at the rock, but around this nation, the nation. God is building a community, the way it always should have been. The body. You just need to read the Bible. It's, this independent spirit never should exist in the church. You can never just be about you and God on your own. It's not biblical. You can't survive just you and God on your own. You need, we need one another. God wires it, it's his truth. We have to walk in discipleship to complete the race. And he said that God is building a corporate body here at the rock and he talked about this hard times. you know why they're interrelated? Because it will be this body at the rock and around that will stand in the times that are coming. It's this body that gives hope to a lost world that is going to be screaming, looking for answers. When finances run out, when jobs run out, when things start happening, the world is going to go into chaos. The church isn't supposed to. The church is supposed to stand and reflect the goodness of God and the glory of God like what happened with Elijah and the woman. Because what he said, for those who are faithful and will stand, God will pour out the supernatural abundance. Yeah? You'll see God move like we've never seen him move before. Why? Because of the times we're in. The desperation of the times will drive people to him. And are we going to be a church that stands literally as the light on the hill and so attractive that how come these people aren't falling over? Yeah. How come these people, when all this pressure... that, that I, I don't understand that. There's love coming out of this community. There's hope. These people have hope. How can you have hope in these times? Because the God on the inside of us is bigger yeah. and determining so much factors than my will. That's why those things are interrelated. That's why God is speaking about the Bride of Christ now. Because why? It's the process of the building blocks to become the Bride that enable you to stand when the pressure comes on. External pressure is coming and all will be revealed in the heart of man by the external pressure. Not just about I'm going the end time. Even, even someone dies. Something happens isn't it? Somethings get revealed when pressure comes. And God wants us to stand and be faithful, knowing that our, our place is there, not here. Set your minds on the things above, not here. And as you have the revelation of the things above, you live a life here that looks extraordinary. It's not, it's just Christian. I love that. We, we look at someone like Paul and think he's extra special. No, he's not, he's just Christian. He's just living by the Bible. And sometimes we think, oh, that's way too hard. I could never do that. Yes, you could. We all can. Why? Because we all have the same God living within us. But together we do it, not as an individual. You're right. You'll never do it as an individual. But together, walking as a body, as the bride, God's reflection comes through his people. And a world is going to run to that church. Is it five years? Is it five minutes? Is it 50? Is it 500? I don't know, but here's my thought. Some generation is going to go through it. I have two little girls, six and two, almost, well, six and three. If it's not my generation, I personally believe it will. If it's not my generation, am I raising my children to go through it, to stand strong in it? What if it's their kids? Are they going to raise their kids if they have kids to be able to stand and go through? And do we think like that? Or are we just living for ourselves and just waiting for, do we think generation? Do we think, well, at some point in time, this Bible tells me that what I'm starting to see is kicking off and it's going to get worse. Doesn't matter how much faith I have, doesn't matter how much I speak it prophetically. I can't change it. It's going to happen. And so am I building foundation pillars into my children now that if they are the generation that goes through it, they can stand and reflect God and give hope to a world that so desperately needs it? It's a question. The story about the prodigal son is a beautiful picture of seeing what happens when a heart or seeing what lies within a heart in both really, the prodigal son and the prodigal son's brother, isn't it? The prodigal son's brother, he doesn't respond the way you think someone who follows Christ would. And that very environment or pressure from his brother returning home and his father throwing him a party reveals what's in the heart of the brother. But he looks the part. He's acting the part. He's serving in his father's house. But when this external pressure comes, a button gets pushed and we see really what's in the heart. Out of the mouth, out of the heart comes the wellsprings of life. So what's going on? See, part of this preparation process of going from glory to glory, where's the kingdom of God? It's within you. My body, although I'm going to the gym now and trying to get back into the gym and trying to keep my youth, you know what? It's not going from glory to glory. It's decaying. <sighs> Doesn't matter how much I want to speak to it and tell it, you know, lift up and uh, <laughs> come back and get those wings. <laughs> Me and Halika are trying like mad, but I know in time I'm getting older. But the Bible says that I'm going from glory to glory. The kingdom of God, where is it is within me, is advancing rapidly. What's that? It's my spirit. Not my physical, my spirit. Spiritual transformation. It never goes backwards. The kingdom is advancing. And so this morning we sung Amazing Grace. I was once was blind, but now I see. Yeah, see here. Not here, here. Unfortunately, the prodigal son, he couldn't see. Why? Because his heart, what was in his heart, came forward, as revealed. God wants that number one place in our lives, guys. Why? Because he wants to marry you. See, the pressure reveals the idols or areas we haven't surrendered to God in our hearts, which we have given a greater priority to and placed above God. And sometimes we may not even know they are there until the right button gets pushed. We need to understand that God is a loving, forgiving, gracious, long-suffering God, but he's also a jealous, demanding God who will not share that place in our hearts with anyone or anything else. So the question is, why do you think the scripture says, love God with everything? It's so clear, he can't make it any clearer than what it is. Love me with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength. Why does he say that? He's trying to make a point. That's why the formation of love in us is so important. And we're going to touch on this. But here's a question. What bride ever married a bridegroom without falling in love with him? How could Jesus marry a bride who hasn't fallen in love with Him? His love is not in question. It comes. But so often I think we just, we're happy for this one way thing, but a relationship is two way, isn't it? So His love is not in question. It just comes and it comes and it comes. And through the revelation of that love, there's this love is to go back. This love is to go back into the throne. He says, seek first my kingdom and my righteousness and I'll add all these other things unto your life. I know you need them. And I'm going to share just the revelation, my own testimony that I can remember this as part of this whole journey of God talking to me about this brighter Christ revelation. And I was on the couch and I'm reading in Matthew and it says, you know, if you, if you love your father, your mother, your brother, your sister, your own life more than me, You're not worthy of me. And that stopped me. I went, hold on. Let me read that again, make sure I got that right. It was the red letters. Anyone who loves their father, their mother, their brother, their sister, their own life more than me is not worthy of me. And I went, what am I not worthy of, God? And this is, I don't know, this is a conversation I was having. It was about two o'clock, Monday afternoon. I'm sitting on the couch. It was awesome. The sun was beaming in. I had my What am I not worthy of? Because your word tells me by your blood I'm being redeemed, i have being reconciled and I'm worthy and I'm holy. But on this hand, you're telling me if I love these, these people in my own life more than these things, and I'm more than you, then I'm not worthy of you. That doesn't make sense. What are you trying to say? And it was just this came back. He said, you're not worthy to marry me. I'm like, what? He said, you're not worthy to marry me if you love these things more than you love me. And I was like, and then it was like, you see, he asked me a question, the Holy Spirit said, would you, do you think Danielle, do you think you would have married Danielle if she told you that she loved someone else more than you? And I went, no. You know what he said? My people tell me all the time that they love all these other things more than me. Why would I now marry them? I was like, yeah, I was like a, like a possum in lights for a minute. I was like, <laughs> and, I, and I sat there like, what? He said, Why would? I'm coming for a bride that loves me. I'm coming for a people seek first my kingdom, and, and I'll add all these other things unto you. He screams this in his word. The bride, the bride. There are ten, five make it five, don't. They're all saved. They're all justified, just as if they never sinned. And then you start looking at the judgment seat, and you start looking at all these other scriptures that he's planted everywhere, and there are these truths that have been concealed in his word, and if you would have eyes to see it and go after it, things will be revealed. I'm sitting there on my couch, I'm like, what? He said, well, I love my people. I love you unconditionally. I want to give you everything. And there is an inheritance that awaits. But spotless, wrinkle-free, I'm looking for a people that love me as much as I love them. They are on the journey of spiritual transformation that aren't just sitting in a justified state, abusing grace. Well, you know what I'm in? Mean? No, no, I'm looking for a bride that is ready and that loves. It's not just there for a good story. And I sat there like a stunned mullet for ages. But as I've journeyed this and I've sought him more, you know what? It started to grow and grow and grow. And now I start seeing it everywhere. Brooke Turner's message Sojourner, Dweller. Yeah. There's always two parts in the kingdom. Holy be made holy. The reason spiritual transformation is so important is a preparation process. It is purging us of ourselves. It's emptying me of me and my will and it is restoring God to his rightful place as number one in our lives. Not two or ten behind my wife, my kids, my house, my travel, my career, my ministry, my gifting, my sport, but number one, why? So we are able to stand, reflect his glory and be the hope that people will be looking for in these times. Whether that's what's coming or even now, if someone close to us dies or whatever, this church will glorify God and be attractive to a world in despair. Staff meeting two weeks ago, I can't remember if it was Jeremy or Simon, but they said this, it was a profound statement. They said, which everyone else says, I knew I could trust God, but now I really am trusting in God. One is outside of a process, one is in the middle of a process. It's easy to believe, it's easy to say, oh yep, 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 and look, oh yep, and stand outside. It's easy to come here and stand outside. God wants you in the process of being transformed one thing to believe about the bride of Christ, but it's a completely different thing to be on a process of becoming the bride of Christ. Paul said this, he must increase in my world and I must become less or I must decrease. What does that mean? That means his dominion, his kingdom, his lordship must reign in my life. And as that happens, I am becoming Less, I am dissipating. People start to see, the God that's in me starts to form. Love in me starts to form. And then he said, imitate me as I imitate the Christ. See, Paul wasn't just a man that was on a journey as an individual. I believe Paul is an apostolic picture of what the church is to look like. A picture of the body of Christ coming together. It's from a citizenship of heaven living on earth and it reflects God. And so as a corporate being, the body is a representation of heaven on earth. And people flock to it. Why? Because they see God. They don't see me and you in our frailties. They see me and you loving one another, walking together, allowing the God in us to, to transform us. And they can't figure that out. love. They can't figure that out. It's a loving... How does a whole group of people from different cultures, colours, backgrounds, Um, diversity, uniqueness and gifting do this thing. It's supernatural. It's the bride of Christ on earth and it reflects him and there will be a church that reflects it. It may be a combination of a whole lot of churches but there will be this thing called the bride and people will see it. Amen to that. And the invitation is do we want to be part of it? Does the rock want to play its role in it? And I think we can say everyone here is going to be part of that thing. My hope is, yes, we will be, because we all count in the cost, we're all on this journey and we're all seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and allowing him to add children, add wives and husbands, add sport, add finances, because then you can hold it and handle it, but if you're the wrong way around, you know what, you never can handle what God wants to give to you, because your heart's not positioned to receive it. And I was saying this with, with somebody and you go round and, round and round and round and round and round and round the mountain and you end up frustrated. Mm. <sighs> Guys, you've got to catch it this say, eh, as a community. And uh, what's the time? We've probably blown. Only <laughs> off <else>, one page. <laughs> um, The Ephesians 5:22 to 32 pictures this thing called marriage, and there's something far greater in this passage than I've ever seen before. And, and Nari gave me a word which I just want to share now, which I thought was, was powerful. And sometimes, you know, when and it was from Nehemiah, and it was tied in when the word was read out. What happened initially is the people became fearful. Because sometimes when you know when you hear something that may be not your reality or it might not be your understanding, two things can happen. One is you can shut down and you can shut it all off and you can either beat yourself up for not having the understanding, think you're a nobody for not understanding it, or you can actually fight against it. Or the other response is because Nehemiah actually encouraged them, no, no, this is a good thing. Let's let's grab hold of this thing, let's allow it to shape us, let's allow it to form us. And you know, when, when, whatever it was, 18 months ago, and I started going through this. I've never seen what I'm about to share with you out of Ephesians 5. I've never seen it before, but it's it's there. And so I want to encourage you with, with, with this. I want to encourage you with the, the things that you're hearing, not just the, oh yeah, whatever. You know, allow this stuff, meditate and marinate, and, and allow the Spirit to speak to you, because there's something here that God wants to show us all. And um, come with me to Ephesians 5. I'm going to fly maybe i'll just do this next week as well that's probably what i'll do all right <laughs> yeah yeah let's um let's just park here okay and go and read Ephesians 5 22 to 32 and ask the Holy Spirit what he wants to show you. Because Paul says, you know, what I'm talking about here is a great mystery. In fact, it says this, I love the NIV, it says, this is a profound mystery that husbands should love their wives as, you know, Christ loves and submit to them and a woman, sorry, and, and die for them and a woman should subject herself. He said, this is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. There's something in here, and we don't like mystery. I don't think so. I don't think that we're very good with mystery. We want to know times, dates. We want it to be comfortable in our nice boxes, so we sit comfortable. But the church has to get comfortable with mystery. God's a bit of a mystery, isn't he? Women are a mystery, aren't they men? <laughs> so you're going to be married to a woman, you've got to get comfortable with mystery. But it also says that God has granted us to know the mysteries of the kingdom. So it's not like we're to sit outside wondering, no, we, God has granted us this spirit to understand the mysteries and to come into So the mystery no longer is a mystery, the mystery is our reality. That's the whole point of the revelation, isn't it? It starts off of what? And then you move into it it becomes your reality and you live in the reality. It changes you. This revelation for me has changed me. It's transforming me. It's not something I just carry in my head and go, well, that's really nice information. I know but No, no, no. We are to become like the one we follow. So there is love, power, grace, mercy, long-suffering, Persecution. Oh, don't mention that. And there is something huge in this passage. And you don't have to be married to get it. But there is something about marriage that God wants to teach us and it's more about a means to something than it is in an end. Because I would say, and I know I have, I've viewed my marriage as an end, not a means to something bigger. So we're going to be looking at that. I'm now seeing that everything God has put in place is not an end, but it's a means. The law was never put in place as an end. The Pharisees turned it into an end. 613 laws. Do's and don'ts. And Jesus said, "Mm -mm. the greatest one is just love God with all your heart. But they made this into an end. It's a means. What's the purpose of the law? To point out your sin that you would know you need saving. Look along the process. Don't stop. Ah, you. What's the purpose of grace? We've treated grace like it's an end and we abuse it. No, grace was put in place to show you Him. My goodness, because I'm now covered by your blood, I can't go back, I'm coming for you. I'm falling in love with you because this door that I, that safe bolt I painted a while ago, it's locked down, I can't go back, my past is gone, I'm soaring into my new. But don't just sit in grace, and say, oh thank you Lord for my, at the cross, and live your whole life at the cross. The cross is incredible, everything was won for at the cross, but he's off the cross! he's like come on let's get this relationship thing going i've got things to do in you and through you i want to show you things set your mind on the above paul even said i haven't attained it all there's a prize i'm going after he was saved wasn't he? apostle paul redeemed justified but even that man said there is more and i've seen it and i'm gunning for it and it is transforming the way i live here on this planet that's the whole purpose we are to be different So many people wait for Jesus to return and it's in their head, but you know what, it's not doing anything to them. They are useless to anybody. They don't love anybody, they don't serve him, they're not reflecting the glory of God, but you capture the revelation that this king is returning for you, as is bright, and it'll transform your whole world here. Imagine, I'm looking at this thing now going, imagine the most important environment is me and Jesus. Then it's me, Jesus, and my wife. Then it's me, Jesus, and my kids. Can you imagine children raised in this environment? Can you imagine marriages in this environment where a husband truly loves his wife as Jesus loves the church and dies for her? And a wife that truly submits and submits herself to that leadership. Can you imagine that marriage? What it would truly look like and reflect on earth? Him. Then you have children that are brought up in that environment. Man, they are different kids. Imagine a life group in a community. Imagine the rock now because everybody is committed to this process. And you've got four or five hundred people that reflect him. Now imagine the international church. That is the biblical model of the church. But unfortunately we have this thing called a will that wants to dictate and determine what things will be. No man, I want to be the bright, I want to be in this bright, I want to be, I want to reflect God's glory. I want to be in a community that truly reflect what that thing says. Why? Because I love him, firstly. Two, because through loving him, I love you guys. And three, because I love him, love you guys. I love a world that so desperately needs him. And it's motivated by love. And so God, today I pray, Lord, that the words I've shared, although it may have been a little bit all over the place, I pray, God, that you'll do what you need to do. I pray your spirit will be speaking. I pray that the revelation will be coming. I pray, God, that just... Just the the living truth would just be going off in our hearts, Father. Lord, if if we're confused today, I I pray you bring clarity like your word says. I pray your spirit would would just decipher what's being said, Lord, and and chuck out the the bones and and leave the good stuff, Father. I pray this week, God, we would go and have a look at Ephesians and allow the spirit to speak to us, truly speak to us, God. I pray we would be hungry, we would be desperate for you and your truth and your word to be transformed into your image, to, to have marriages that reflect, reflect what you're talking about and a much bigger picture that points us towards you, Father, and prepares us for that marriage in heaven. And so, God, I I thank you for this community. I thank you for the love. I thank you for the generosity. I thank you for the grace. I thank you for these great people, Lord. And we want to walk this together, not on the outside, but on the inside. And as we do it, God, I know you'll add, like you did in, in, in Acts, you'll add and continue to add like you're doing, drawing people, because you are here, and you are building it, and we just submit our wills to yours, Lord Jesus, and we say, have your way in my heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.